passage, Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses as he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And Moses would return to the camp. And his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see my face and live. The Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until you have passed by. And then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. Hopefully you can remember this story from months and months ago. We're going to pick up, in a sense, where we left off. But first I have a question. If you could ask God for anything right now and know that he would give it to you, what would you ask for? Why don't you just think about something. If you, I, I'm not going to call on you in, in this instance, but I want to know that you're actually engaging. So if you can think of something, raise your hand. All right? If you could ask God for anything, good. And knowing that he would give it, what would you ask for? Now, for, that, that's just a... Wow, kind of question. And obviously, you know, we get concerned about questions because we might think some are, are greedy. But the fact is, most of us are needy. We're, we're with some difficult things going on, with some hard choices in front of us. What is it that we need or want more of? More protection? Is there more provision, more money, more, more things? more time, more health, more friends? What is it that we need more of that only God can give to us? Well, here is Moses in Exodus chapter 33, and he's faced with an 
just such an opportunity as this. He seems to be on a roll with God as far as God answering his prayers and the things he wants to and what God's given to him and, and doing. Like in verse 15 and uh, 15 to 17 here, Moses said, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me, your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. I mean, there was a sense that in this scene that God is just so saying to Moses, I'm I'm fed up with this. I'm not going to go with this stiff-necked people. That didn't mean that God wasn't going to protect them or help them or provide for them. He would. He just he wasn't going to go and do it. In the sense of like he had been traveling with them. He's saying, I'm not going to go with you. I'll take care of you, but I'm not going to go with you. But Moses knew what their real need was. Moses knew there was more to what God could do than just provide and protect. Moses knew that their greatest need was for God himself. The very presence of God. And that's what he asked for. Which is so much more than most of us ever asked for. We ask God for a little help now and then. But it's not often we ask him for all of him. Having secured the fact that God's presence would literally go with them. Then in verse 18, Moses said, Now, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Moses asked for more. Even more than what he had already had, humbly and yet boldly, he begs God, Show me your glory. Not for any particular purpose, but the goal of just knowing God more. He could ask for almost anything in this moment and what God has given to him. There is anything he could ask. But he asked for more of God. To know more of God. In fact, it's enlightening if we really were to go through many of the prayers in the New Testament we would see in many of the leaders as their prayers are not so much asking for things as they are asking for God himself and for the spiritual things. It's kind of surprising to us what Moses asked. He could ask for anything and it's surprising in our day and age because to us Moses already had more of God than anybody else at that time. There's a sense that he spent more time. He'd been closer uh, with God, longer with God than anybody ever imagined was even possible. I mean, he had the burning bush thing. How many of us had that? You know, all right. Then he had the miracles and the different things that happened with that. Then God's clear direction and, and travels and battles and, and provision for them as they went along. And that, that whole pillar of light in the cloud and then up on the mountain mountain of fire right there with god we read about 
earlier in Exodus chapter 24, in verse 16. Even before in verse 15, when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it. And the glory, the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. And for six days the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. And then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain. And he stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Forty days, forty nights with the presence of God. Hey, we're talking about showing his glory, but he, he was with the glory came on the mountain. But Moses knew there was more than what he had even experienced in forty days and forty nights with the glory of the Lord on that mountain. He wanted more. He knew there was more. When he asked God to show him his glory. And yet here was this. Man, as it says earlier in Exodus 33 here. In verse 9, as Moses went into the t- to the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while Moses, while the Lord spoke with Moses right there. And whenever people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at their entrance to the tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Even God said he was pleased and knows Moses by name. That's a close relationship. None had any closer. But he didn't stop there. Because there's more. There's more. Moses had already had so much of God, but he still wanted more. He kept pressing in to the presence. And you could say to Moses, you know what, there's going to be more. Eventually, we're going to be in the ultimate presence of God in heaven. We wait till we see him face to face there. But Moses didn't want to wait. And it's not like Moses was coming to God. I need more because he's empty. You know, sometimes the Christians, I need more of you. And you know, I just, just so empty. We wait until we're empty. Moses was full. Full, so to speak, of God. And yet he still says, I want more. Show me your glory. Because he knew that as awesome, as great as that relationship with God may have been, there had to be more because God is more. We are limited, but God is unlimited. He is infinite. He is inexhaustible. He is boundless. He is immeasurable. There is no way that we as finite humans could possibly say that we have come to know and experience all of who God is. Well, I've been coming to church for 50 years. Now, wait a minute. That's not really true. That's just this church. 
I was brought into church as a babe. My mom, my grandma, we all went. I pretty much got this stuff, this God down. I've arrived. I know God. There's no way that we as finite beings could say that we have arrived, that we fully, fully, fully know God for all that He is. Because He's God and we're not. There's more. And we need to press in for more of the presence of God to know God more. That should be our goal. We began this year with a specific theme. And some of this may sound familiar because that's what we're doing, is we're refreshing this, rebooting in a sense. A specific theme that at the first um, month or so of this year, we went through a sermon series about pressing into the presence. But then later on, we came back to it. And now at the end of this year here, we're coming back to it once again in this week and next week about pressing into the presence of God closer than ever. That kind of being our theme, that we want to press into the presence of God closer than we have ever been, to know God more than we've ever known Him with a personal, passionate pursuit of Jesus. So how have we done? And I'm, I'm going to actually ask that question right now. And I want you to think about it and, and, and be prepared even. To give a testimony about this. How many have continued to passionately pursue the presence of God pressing in? Though how many of us have set ourselves to desire more, deeper, different relationship with God that would be closer than it had been? How many would say this morning, as you look back over this last year, that you are closer to God, that your relationship is different, deeper, that it is more than it was. Let me just see your hands. Uh, and I hope that for all of us here today, if you have a real relationship with Jesus, and not just this is religion and something that you do, that a year from now you will be different than you are right here, right now. But not just you will be different in how you act or who you are, but more importantly that there will be a difference in your relationship with God. We're going to talk about why that's important and how that affects. There's where it should be. Not just that we understand God loves us more than we did a year ago, but that we love Him more than we did a year ago in a way that is not just about a feeling, but a knowing. There's more. And we should constantly, like Moses, be seeking the more. How do we do that? How do we get to press in for more of the presence of God? And there's two things we'll look at this morning. And first is that we need to get it through our head that there is more. See, sometimes it's hard to experience and to know God more when we don't think there is anything more. 
we, we, or, or we have done what we think it is. And for some Christians, they believe they're as close as they can get. Some, maybe by their own uh, account, they've mastered churchianity's checklist of what good Christians do or don't do. What more is there? I, I did what every good Christian is supposed to do. And so they don't recognize that there is something more. And there needs to be a challenge that there is. Others at best just try to maintain the current closeness that they have. I just want to keep what I've got. Don't want to lose that. Almost like the guy who buried the talent. One of the reasons I believe, though, that many Christians that do want more but end up settling for less is because they stop at the means and not the ends. In their head, they've reached the goal, but instead what they've done is confuse the means on how to get there with the ends or the goal of what they're trying to achieve. Let me just start with a simple example, and it's going to get a little more, not complicated, but maybe direct. There are those who make out, who make the ends of Christianity to be about just getting forgiven. And then we wonder why we have shallow Christians who don't want to go to hell, but are not exactly excited about going to heaven all that time with God, let alone spending time with God here. Uh, understand, we are all sinners, Yes. Yes, we are all facing the death penalty because of that sin. Yes, we need forgiveness to get out of hell and to get into heaven. But there is more than that to Christianity. We want to see people saved from the punishment that awaits them. But what are they saved for? What are we saved for? Is there more? Yes, there is more. We want to make sure that that they admit that they're sinners and that they ask for forgiveness, but forgiveness is not the ends, it is the means to the more, to the goal, to the ends of a real reconciled relationship that is restored with God through Jesus Christ our Savior. Forgiveness is the means to that restored relationship that is the ends that's what eternal life is about we talk about eternal life like it's just about the you know people just need to they need to get eternal know that they have eternal life and usually what we boil that down to is that we're going to spend eternity in heaven but we've We've messed with the the ends and the means because this is what eternal life is. Jesus himself says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's not just about someday we're going to spend all of eternity with him. Eternal life, what the goal, what the ends, what it is of all about is knowing God. In a real, vital, personal relationship. Not knowing about him, but knowing him. Unfortunately, we end up using Jesus as the means to an end. 
Like you need to get Jesus in your life. And that way, then if you get Jesus in your life, you're able to catch the connecting flight to heaven and skip the scheduled landing in hell. Or you need to get Jesus in your life so you can get more, more of his provision, more of his protection. And please don't misunderstand. Jesus does all those things, but that's not what we... Jesus is not a means to an end. Jesus is the end. Jesus is the goal. There is more of Jesus. We get it all backwards. We should want more of Jesus. Like Moses seeking God's face and not just his hands. For many, this is how it begins for them as a personal relationship with Jesus, but then over time it slowly kind of morphs into a professional religion whose focus becomes on the means of our Christianity and not the ends of Christianity. So if we're going to press into more of God, we need to get it through our heads that there is more than just, for example, living a good moral life. I mean, that's the ends of a, of a churchianity, but not true Christianity. We mix it up and we are missing it up not realizing that there is more. There is more than just being separated from the world and sin. It is about getting closer to the Savior. But you see people in churches that their whole focus, their continual focus, don't do this, don't do that. A list of rules oftentimes just defined by the church that picks out the bad sins that good Christians don't do, but then allows acceptable sins that are still in the word that just continue on. But, you know, we, we, we get those things down and this is our, our goal to have less sin in our life. But the problem is those people don't have more savior in their life. They continue to press in. Yeah, I got less sin. It doesn't look like it, but it's not moving them closer to Jesus. The ends, the goal, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I'll keep reminding you as I talk about these things this morning so that no one is confused. And if you're ever confused or you're not sure about something, I hope that you'd come and talk to me. But let me just remind you, I did not say that we should not be separated from the world and sin. We must be. What I am saying is that there is more than being separated from the world and sin. That is not the ends. That is the means of a Christian life of getting closer to Jesus. Don't stop short by focusing on just being righteous. If all we do is focus on our own righteousness, then we have a Christianity whose ends, whose goal is just about me and my life and how I live it. Instead of a Christianity that is about Christ and Christ alone. We need to move into a goal of God and God alone centeredness. To do that, we need that righteousness. But that's not where we stop because we need to move to the centeredness of our life, God and Him only. To pursue His presence. What is it that we're pursuing? What is it that we are to be about? What is it that's a goal? What is it that Jesus said is the number one thing? 
What's the number one? What is the number one command? What is the number one thing out of everything? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is number one. That is the goal. That is what it means to know Jesus Christ. To really know him, to love him with all we got. But unfortunately, we are missing the more that has always been intended for us because we are focusing on the means of how we get there and just stopping. I did this, I did this, I did that. I'm righteous, I did But we're not loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. It's not happening. More, there is more. There is more of him. There is more love that we need to have. We end up settling for substitutes that were supposed to lead us to Christ. And we don't know in a deeper, more intimate, real relationship like we have. We, it's like Martha in Luke chapter 8. When Jesus says to, him, says to her, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. That doesn't mean that we don't serve. That doesn't mean we don't all these things we're talking about. But to understand what the ends, what the goal, what is it that we're moving towards is more of Jesus, of a relationship that grows and is more. Not I have grown in more knowledge, I've grown in being more righteous. I have grown more in love with Jesus. And I know him more than I ever knew him and there's some christians who say i know that i know that i we need to know him more and so uh, what they do is what say well what i need to do and here's how i got to do it is i just need to get the right book to read or i need to listen to the right cd or or watch the uh, right video i need to find and, and go here or, or listen to the right preacher or teacher and once again our focus becomes on the means the means of teaching of God's word. But not necessarily experiencing more of God. Our consumeristic culture has trained them to go looking for more teachers who will do it the way that they think, that they want it done, that it'll do something deeper, that will somehow tell them something they haven't heard before. Don't take this wrong. Teachers, teaching, Those are all a part of what God has put in the process to lead us to a greater and a deeper relationship with God. I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. So it's not that I'm saying this is what's wrong. It's how we're looking and how we're using it. We're trying to get our firsthand relationship with God to go deeper through secondhand pre-chewed food that you've gotten from others. It's not going to happen. It's all helpful to the relationship with God, but your relationship with God cannot be lived off of someone else's. You cannot love God through someone else's heart and mind, and certainly not once a week. Some are putting way too much focus on man and not enough on God. We've missed where our focus on who and what we need more of. We keep saying, I just need more of this teaching. I just need more of that. No, you need more of Jesus. There's more 
But our heart and mind needs to engage directly with God. You need to feed yourself. You're old enough. By far, many are old enough to meet God in and through His Word and in prayer in a real and intimate, deeper, growing way. Don't perpetuate a churchianity that wants to be spoon-fed until we feel full or that somehow uh, we'll feel more spiritual if we just have someone else cook our meat for us, cut it up into nice bite-sized pieces and serve it over a 20, 30-minute meal. If you know what I mean, served once a week. We need to get more into the Word of God ourselves as a means of getting to know God of the Word more. Even in this, too many are missing it, making the Bible more of a textbook instead of a love letter. The ends, the goal is not to learn more, but to love more. And that may happen if we're learning. And hopefully it would if we're learning. But when that learning in the word becomes a means, it becomes the end instead of the means. When that learning becomes the end and you just stop, where's the goal of loving God? I'm concerned that some are just snacking on all kinds of spiritual junk food that, that they really like or they're really interested in. You know, they're, they're, you, you hear of people and I've, I've talked with people who are just uh, into this real study of knowing everything and anything they can about end times, for example. I'll just throw out an example. Uh, they just know everything about that. It just, oh, it's just, uh, the, the knowledge is so deep about what is going on and, and I just, uh, I want to know more. The more I learn, the more I want to know But nowhere is there a connection. Because of that, I want to know Jesus more. It's really about the information. There's no transformation in the relationship with Jesus that's taken place. In the end, all that study and all that stuff that you really wanted to be into, you're not more hungry for Jesus. You're just more hungry for information that you like and what you want. We're not growing closer to him through this that's the goal that's the ends and we're just too stuck on the means there are christians who want to plumb the depths of god's word but do not plumb to the depths of god of the word in that deeper more intimate relationship we keep settling for more and more knowledge about god to the point that we know more about God than many. And yet we do not know God more than the simplest child. We should be growing, changing, more and more in love. To say, I want more like Moses. I, there is more. I, I know whatever I have now, wherever we are, God, and however I've experienced you, I want more because there is more. Please understand, I again, I'm not saying that we get rid of all this, that somehow we stop the means. God has established these means. Uh, I've preached on these and others, and I will continue to. There's more. But to recognize that the means are to move us to an end, to a goal, 
that God is calling us to. So if all we do is just make sure we're doing our devotions, that we check off our list, that we're getting in our time, but then no matter how many minutes or how many hours or whatever, at the finish line, all we can say is we've done our devotions, but we're not more devoted. Something's missed the mark. Do we see that? You catch what I'm saying? You've got the means. And we need to be about that. But if we stop there and we don't recognize that the devotions need to lead us to be more devoted to the one that we are and say we love. You know, it's like Paul in Philippians and what he talks about a familiar passage to many in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, and I not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One more thing, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's more. There's a sense in that what I just read. is Paul saying there's more and I'm pressing on to more. I want more, but what is the more? Well, there's much that we could say that it talks about there, but let's just, in a simple way, because we're not doing an in-depth study on that right this morning, but let's, in a simple way, just say, what's the context of that? Well, what is around there? What is the period? What happens before that? Because we're saying, yeah, yeah, press on, yeah. More, there's more. The context. Go earlier to verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from a law, that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And it is in the context of, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. It is in the context of, I want to know Christ, that he says, I have not already obtained this. I don't, oh, I don't have it yet, but I am pressing on for more, more. You get it through our head that there is more just and not in a sense of get it through our head and knock yourself upside the head, but just open to recognize and to see there is so much more deeper in our relationship that we can go. Even Paul looking for more. This is that that Paul would almost in some ways be the equivalent of Moses. In some ways, you look at the New Testament, the Old Testament, what took place and and how he has interacted, how he has relationship with God and all this happened. And yet he's saying, I want to know Christ more. We need to get not just into our head, but we need to get it into our heart. That there is more. Unfortunately, there is this sense that our heads know there is more 
but some don't want more. We're satisfied with the amount of religion that we have. On a scale of 1 to 10, our relationship is about a 5. And we figure that's right in the middle. It's not bad. It's not great. It could be better. But, you know, it's a 5. And we're satisfied with that. I mean, for this point in time, it's right in the middle. It's, it's a 5. It's okay. And yet, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Jesus is giving an example of a one, which is cold, and a ten, which is hot. And he says, you are neither cold nor hot. You are a number five. Lukewarm. And that doesn't sit well with Jesus. He says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. That's just, that, 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 that's not it. There's more. We need to get it, not just in our head, but in our heart. That we desire more of God like Moses did here. What is it we want more of? Amen. the question, if God can answer that first question I asked at the beginning, if God can answer anything, what is it that we want more of? And honestly, first ask for most of us, there's going to be a lot of different things that are going to come up. But not many of us in the first, what do you want more of? are going to say, like Moses, I want more of you, God. I want more. I desire more. There's more of you to have. There's more life. There's more heat. There's more. And if that's not something that we're longing for, let's admit that. Let's just admit it. Let's not live in denial. Let's not go through religious motions. Let's ask God to set a fire down in our soul to take that five up to a ten. A ten in our desire for God to know Him, to be with Him. Let us... I'm reminded of a number of years ago, a potato chip commercial. No one can eat just one. How many remember that? All right, see, so it's a little while ago, but no one needed just one. I mean, because one, uh, because it, obviously their idea is it just tastes so good. I think it's also because the bag is open. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if you took the bag away and closed it, maybe. Uh, but, you know, no one can eat, you, you just want, there's that sense of, you, not for us. We can't just have one encounter with God. There are a lot of people that meet Jesus on the day of their salvation, but it's been a long-distance relationship ever since. It's almost like, what happened? Uh, We should be able to continue to reach in the bag, so to speak. Our desire for more, more of God. A.W. Tozer says this, Christ 
may be received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man is saved, but he is not hungry nor thirsty after God. In fact, he is specifically taught to be satisfied and encouraged to be content with little. I'm telling you today and trying to teach today, there is more. Don't be content with that. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good, but let's understand Christianity is not a taste test, a constant taste test. Christianity should be a feast, not a taste, a feast on the Lord. Hungry for more, to get into it with all our heart. There should be this almost a dissatisfaction with settling for less of a relationship when we know there is more and there is more. Psalm 73 verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. In our passion, as we say that there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. If we're not there yet, then that, don't feel condemned. Just recognize, hey, there's more. That means there is more. There's a more or where to go with this. In Psalm 27, verse 8, God says, seek my face. And the response in that verse says, my heart, my heart says to you, your face will I seek. You say to seek your face, yes, 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 your face will I seek. Not just with my head, but with my heart that longs for more of you to press into your presence. Psalm 84, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I encourage you to just look up Psalm 63. I'm not going to take time this morning to look at this. Psalm 63, some time as we talk about this and just to, to really meditate and allow that means to move you to the ends. There are obviously some issues that can hinder us in pressing closer. We're going to talk more next week as we get more specifically exploring the glory of God next week. But we need to cultivate a heart passion that pursues more of God. Moses is thrilled with the relationship he has with God. I mean, there's no way he could ever imagine it would have happened, and yet he still wanted more. Are you thrilled with your relationship with God? And you should want more. We're going to take some time in God's presence here. He asked that the worship team would come. That you need to know that it's not just what we do right here, that it needs to happen at home, even throughout this week, that we would press into the presence not just so we can plug into some power, just press into God's presence just to be with Him, to know Him more. Here is the prayer that I believe I showed like nine months ago or so from A.W. Tozer. Oh God, I have tasted Thy goodness. It has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. O God, the triune God, I want to want Thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me Thy glory, I pray Thee, so that I may know Thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then...
give me grace to rise and follow thee up from this misty lowland where I've wandered so long. Lord God, we here this morning ask for this. Even in this moment, let us draw near, near to you, closer, deeper. There is more. We want more. Set a fire down within us. Want more of you, Lord.